This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm B.A. Parker, and this is Code Switch. Today we have an extra special episode for you. It's from our play cousins at Alt Latino, who just relaunched their show with a whole new sound. We've got a new co-host, Ana Maria Sayer. She joins Felix Contreras on the mic to talk about all things Latin music. And for today's show, you'll hear them talk to R&B darling Omar Apollo. He's from Indiana, his parents are from Guadalajara, Mexico, and he talks to Ana Maria about what it's like becoming a role model for queer Latinx kids. It's a great conversation, and before I give too much away, I'll let Ana Maria and Felix take it from here. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Let the chisme begin. Felix, did you know that Omar Apollo has his own hot sauce brand? I had no idea, honestly. I think most people don't. In addition to being a major global star on the rise, he is also, in fact, in the business of bringing tasty condiments to his fans. It's actually his mom's recipe. So he's in the business of sharing his Mexican-American culture through his music and then through food. Hmm, Interesting, interesting. (laughs) You always have a beautiful way of putting it, Felix. (laughs) He's been doing that actually a lot lately in his music. His latest album, Ivory, includes a solid mix of hip-hop, indie sad boy singing, and even some ranchera-esque belting mixed in. A lot of real cool stuff on that record. And as we've done with Alt Latino in the past, we're catching Omar Apollo at a critical point in his development as an artist, like almost at the very beginning. conversation you had with him showed how he's revealing more of who he is and continually showcasing his culture through his music. Since his SoundCloud days, which were, believe it or not, just a few years ago, he's been leaning into, I don't know, what feels natural and authentic to who he really is. And in just a few years, he's hanging out with some of the biggest names in the music business. That's pretty amazing. Which I think we know all too well, Felix, can be both a good thing and a bad thing. No kidding. He actually had a moment when he was first signed to a major label where he let too many voices influence the type of music that he was making. He told me in our interview that he didn't really feel like the music was his, and so he actually scrapped the entire album just a few days before he was supposed to tour with it. That takes a lot of courage and a lot of self-confidence, man. I grilled him on where that courage came from, how he got from his basement in Indiana to becoming an icon for queer Latinx kids around the nation. Spoiler, it did take a little help from Pharrell. The music of this young man from the Midwest is a reflection of Mexican culture among folks his age. It's less a sound of accordions and mariachis, but more of soul, hip-hop, and other contemporary sounds. It's quite a different sound from what my generation expects, 
But honestly, I'm all about it. So let's dig into that interview. Oh, hi. Welcome to the show. This is all Thank you for having me, darling. Um, Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to tell everyone that. I'm like, Omar, call me darling. (laughs) So you were talking about your art and kind of the way that you express yourself and how you landed on music as that being the form. You said you started with dance. Can Can we hear a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I started dancing when I was like 11. I would like gig in like third grade. And like, how'd you get into it? My mom, she like, my sister was already doing it. And then I saw my sister doing it. I was like, oh, I want to do it too. So they like dressed me up like a mariachi. (laughs) And then I would just do these little dances. They'd pick me up from school and I'd go like do perform at some college or something. Yeah, I did like one dance, the raspa at the end. I was such a little kid. Everyone else was like, you know, 17 or 16. Mm-hmm. But I, was, I had to be like 10 or 9. And I was really small as a kid. I didn't get taller till I was like 16 or something. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you were the showstopper. You were the closer. Yeah, I was the closer. I was they the anchor. They brought you in for the good vibes at the end. Right. <laughs> I still know the dance. Awesome. It's really simple. So... You're dancing, that's like your thing that you you start out with. And right. then how did you end up landing where you are now? Well, I started dancing, yeah. And then I kept dancing till I was like 16 or 17. Like, for real. Like, I was really, I was going to like, I was saving up my money to go to like choreography classes. Mm. I didn't go to many. I went to like three or four that were like 10 bucks or like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'd save up, I'd take the train and I'd go. And then... Music was always a thing. When I was 12, I would play guitar in church. But my guitars got stolen uh, when I was like 14. Oh, my God. Yeah, they got stolen from one from church and one from my house. Damn. Yeah, we got robbed a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They were after your guitars. They would take everything. Like, they just like my mom's wedding rings and like. Wow. Yeah, so like. I was like, oh, I don't have enough money. So that's when I got a job at McDonald's and like saved up and got another one. And I, I was like 17, 18. Okay. And then that's when I started making music, when I was 17, 18. So I was like, oh, I, I like dancing, but music feels right right now. So mm. I started doing that. And then it kind of just, like, snowballed. Yeah. I kind of knew what was, like, sounded good to me. Because I, I knew when my music wasn't good. I remember mm-hmm. it being not good. I was like, oh, I'm going to get good. Do you ever listen back to, yeah. like, early stuff? It's cringy. I like, played it for some friends. And they're like, this isn't even bad, bro. And I'm like, nah, this is terrible. I was like so close to the microphone. Like, I was saying like this all breathy. Like, <laughs> You were like going for the like, I feel like we all have that moment when you're first trying, you know, music or whatever it is. And you're like, I got to go for the thing that like everyone, you know, it's so sick to do this or that or whatever. Yeah, have that but style. then you find out what like works for you and then you like exaggerate that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what led to it. What did you feel worked for you like when did you find that sweet spot i remember i was working at a jimmy john's when i was like 18 (laughs) or 19 or something like that i had never liked my music before that i had been making it for like a year and i was just like oh like i don't like it yet i remember one time i I just made a voice memo on my phone and it was so sick like it was so Mm -hmm. still up you Mm -hmm. can find it it's called yellow jasper on soundcloud i bet you
it was all freestyle. And then I just like, as soon as I got home from work, I went and recorded it just exactly how I had the voice memo, just like a little cleaner and like added harmonies. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, oh, from then then on, it was just like, okay, it just turned on a switch. And then I was able to just do shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you keep going at it if you literally didn't like what you were making? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, just, I had a feeling. It was just like, oh, I know I could do it. Like, I know I can. I just loved there. it so much. I didn't care. And I remember at that age, you couldn't tell me anything. Like, people were saying, people in my family were like, you suck at singing. You're a terrible singer. <laughs> I, I wasn't good yet. Like, I wasn't good. Yeah. I had to learn. It bothered me, but not, like, in a way that it's like, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Like, the same thing when I was dancing, too. People would, like, make fun of me, and then I'd just be like, well, whatever. I'm different. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, because around there, no one makes music, no one dances, no one directs, mm-hmm. no one, like, you know, you go to L.A. New York, oh, my dad's a director, my, you know, my yeah. my mom's in music, or, like, you know, it's, like, it's not far-fetched, but out there, it's, like, you work at the steel mill, and then, like, do meth, and then, like... <laughs> That's it. I remember there was a point in time, like, you know, around 2020, where, like, I was accepting other people's opinions too much. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, really, really messing with how my music sounded. Yeah. And I literally just had to cut everybody off and, like, rent a house in, like, Idlewild and just Idlewild. make music by myself, no opinions. Because it affects... Somebody says something, I'm like, oh, well, I'm thinking about it. Like, <laughs> And so, yeah, now I'm going to make it differently. So... I found that if I'm just like alone, just boundary setting, I feel like you should do that in all parts of your life. Yeah. Right? Are you thinking about who's going to be listening when you're writing? I think that my songwriting's like definitely developed over the years because before, like when I made my first songs, they kind of were all about like unrequited love because I hadn't really been in a relationship yet. I was so young. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm writing more like of these complex feelings of like, you know, relationships, life, money, all that stuff. Yeah. When you say you're working on boundaries, like obviously with who you're working with making music and whatever that's one part of it but do you feel like you're also working on boundaries within your work like in what you decide to share with the world i mean it's so vulnerable oh, for sure right? for sure yeah i've definitely like taken things off and just because of that like yeah because you weren't ready to like put that out there. i'm just like oh that was too much like that's too there like i'm good <laughs> <laughs> You don't need that. Um, it's kind of, sometimes you're just letting go. Like, you just need to say shit. Yeah. It depends what's your vibe. If that's how you're feeling and, like, and you say it in, like, a clever way, then it's dope. Yeah. But I don't know. I think my, my, my next music is going to be like that. I'm going to just really, like, be honest. Why? What changed? I mean, even the fact that I'm, like, thinking right now about what to say, like, mm-hmm. I don't want it to feel like that. Like, yeah. I want it to feel like expression, you know? Like, I want it to feel like... You ever, like, leave dinner and you're like, damn, did I say too much? Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to just say shit and just, like, say deal with it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like, that's just how it is. That's how I am. Like, what, what you going to do? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like putting more of yourself into it. And then, like, right. also, once you do that, 
being able to not like it's like literally what you said like oh did I say too much like and then you're playing it back right and you're yeah. like should I have said this should I have said that right. so it's like being vulnerable in the music to like say it and then also to not like yeah because then it's like no surprises <laughs> yeah a lot of things can feel performative especially when you're talking it's like people be themselves all the time like but once you put a camera or like you know a microphone it's like obviously you're thinking a little differently you're like okay well mm. This is going to be, you know, digitally immortalized forever. Yeah. So, like, maybe I should watch what I say. Yeah. Well, especially um, for you. Like, people yeah. are, I don't know, I can go out there and say whatever, whatever, <laughs> and then no one's going to bring it back to me. But you, I mean, people are, like, right. paying attention to what you're saying. No, it's super important. And I think that, like, you need to realize that. But I also think that, like, you shouldn't not be yourself because of it. Because I really don't want to be here alone. Too many people I don't see no more Too many feelings I don't feel no more Cause I really don't wanna be here alone Too many people I don't need no more So many doubts that I stop keeping score Just like that performative nature of things is really like That's what it felt like when I first started doing it, like in interviews I'd be like, oh, like you know, I gotta be like, I gotta use big words, I gotta da da, or whatever. Maybe not big words, because I don't know big words, but <laughs> no, when I was younger, I thought like that, because I love seeing interviews, and I'd be like, yo, they sound so smart, but I'm like, if I'm not, like, if this is how I talk, this is how I talk, like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Do you feel like... I do know, but like, you know. You do know, but yeah. No, I know. I know you know, but I know. Um, <laughs> I know that you know that I know. <laughs> I know that you know that I know. Um, you... Being as big as you are, right? Like, you have skyrocketed oh, in terms you. of your music, and you're so talented, and it's well-deserved. But I think more than just the music being what it is, a lot of people obviously look to you as someone who, right, a lot of us traditionally have not seen. You're, like, you are representing so many different people who who see themselves in you. And speaking about being performative, do you ever feel a pressure to perform in a certain way or be a certain way or say certain things because so many people are looking up to you as like a representation of themselves yeah of course fully i think it's like really important especially in like queer latino kids come up to me and they'll tell me like they have the same amount of siblings of me our parents are from the same place they're also queer and like i'm like oh this is bigger than like than what i thought you know yeah. or like when kids are like i started playing guitar because of you like I'm like, yo, that's nuts. Because <laughs> I don't even think I go home and I watch P-Valley, you know? like, okay. <laughs> and uh, You were on the record just saying that. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, and it's definitely something super important. And I, I always try to say something at the shows and, like, try to make everyone feel seen because, you know, that was definitely something that was lacked when I was a kid and, like, when I'd go to shows. I never really felt represented. I never really felt, like... You know, so I think it is important. Our conversation with Omar Apollo will continue right after this short break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Parker, just Parker, Code Switch. We're back with Ana Maria Serra from Alt Latino talking with Omar Apollo. Being an artist and being a musician, it's almost like its own form of like going through therapy, right? right? Where it's like I feel like you do grow in your ability to like express yourself and mm-hmm. like put everything out there. And so it's like now you have this career where you very publicly put yourself out there. Like mm-hmm. has that impacted the relationship with your parents? My parents didn't know that I made music for like a couple years. Like they did, but the first time they came to a show was when it was like 1200 people. And they were just so confused. Wow. They were like, oh, someone else's, this is someone else's show, right? Like, you're opening? I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm not opening. <laughs> and uh, they're like, what? And then, like, my, I remember my mom, she was just said she was crying. She heard everyone screaming my name. She was just so confused. She was like, what? Are you screaming for Omar? Are you screaming for Omar? She That's was so confused. So cute. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, after that, obviously, they're just super proud and super into it. But if I, you know, went through what they went through and, like, crossed the border and, like, had kids out here and didn't really know the language, mm-hmm. I would be scared if my kid told me he wants to be a singer, too. Like, I'm not pressed. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been nice for them to be supportive in other ways and probably would have helped my self-esteem at the time. I really believe that people can change and people can grow. And, yeah, I'm not holding anything against them. Yeah. We have a great relationship now, and, like, it's cool. Honestly, like, when... (laughs) I don't know how to say this without sounding, like, arrogant, (laughs) but, like, when you pay the bills, they can't say that much to you. Like, they really can't. You won't believe what happened to me. My parents are are very, you know, traditional mm-hmm. Mexican parents. Mm-hmm. I don't curse around them. Like, <laughs> I grew up, like, super Catholic, too. So I'm just, like, yeah. over here with it. Yep. Um, yep. But no, they understand. And I get, like, you know, that religion brings them comfort. I get that. And I think that, like, you know, yeah, I had to just look for comfort in other ways. Well, my dad has always been really open-minded. He's, like what was only into religion because my mom but my mom is like she's really starting to like open up and open her mind a little bit and be like oh wow like there are different religions (laughs) right and like what a fascinating concept she's known that she's known that obviously (laughs) but i'm just saying like she's really like trying which is important to me it's just like yeah as long as you're trying like i get it you were you were raised your whole life thinking one thing one way and then like God gives you this crazy kid. (laughs) 
<laughs> who like wants to be a singer and right. is like queer. So like, <laughs> I get it. You know what I'm saying? He probably yeah. gave it to you for a reason. And like, he's like, this is yeah. gonna help you grow. <laughs> right? He's like, okay, like we reach the ceiling here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, you doing what you do and being who you are right. has to have opened up their world in Fully. so many ways. Yeah, it really has. I know I asked you earlier if you were speaking to anyone when you write, but like. Is your family a thought? Are your parents a thought when you were, yeah, when you were I, working on I your just album? made this song recently. Um, no, before that, I never really talked about my parents in songs. But I just wrote a song. I called my mom and told her about it. She was like, oh. Like, <laughs> and I'm obsessed with it. And I was talking about my parents. And it's cool to have a song that's, like, not about love. Well, I guess love, like, but, like, not about romantic love. It's more about, mm-hmm. like, self-love and the things that you deal with and the real thoughts that you have. They are just real. Like, it's like, that's just what's going on. Because that's what's important to me is, like, yeah. family. I mean, that's... If I you're want kids. a good Mexican kid, then you'll right? know familia is the most important <laughs> of all things, as my grandma texts me every single day. <laughs> Don't forget us. <laughs> right, right. Are you more of, like, a you-love-performing person, or you'd rather be in the studio, or... Because you tour um, low-key a lot. yeah. I do enjoy touring. I feel like there's going to be a point where I really enjoy it because mm. I'm really, really going to dial in the music. And once I do that, then, like, I've never made music thinking about a live show. Really? Yeah, it's always just been, like, vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, no, nah, like, I'm going to go in and make music, like, specifically for, like, a festival or specifically for it to just, like, so so I could be ex- super excited for it, you know? Yeah. Like, just, like, that kind of intention... It's like, oh, I'm ready for the road because it's like, this is the music that I would want to make if I was going on the road. Mm -hmm. How did you, because I know like, obviously you were like making everything by yourself in your bedroom and then you go on and you bring in Pharrell and you bring in all these insane minds and people. How did you navigate relying on just yourself and just your sound and just what felt right to you like how did you bring in other voices the second time around obviously yeah yeah you know. it was funny because the song that didn't come out this is another song we were just like it's on a keyboard like <laughs> like very it was just you could, you could tell it was all feeling and then he trusts himself that's what's crazy he's just mm-hmm. like boom he's like you like it i was like yeah he's like all right i'll be back in 30 minutes oh my God. and then <laughs> and he like went and there's another session in the house so he went like push his tea was there he came back 30 minutes later and I was like when he was gone I was like alright I gotta just go crazy so that's I, so high pressure I made the whole song <laughs> in 30 minutes the whole thing and recorded it and everything and he came back upstairs he's like can I listen to it I was like yeah this is Tamagotchi 12 us through Milwaukee bitch I'm making bread sound like Pavarotti bitch my Vaseline you can't get it off me bitch this not my scene vamos pa Miami so i played it and he starts freaking out and i'm just like oh wow he trusts what i just did yeah naturally like this is just me being me in its purest form it's like mm-hmm. this is what i would do you know it's not like oh what would he like or you know so then that just gave me reassurance of like trusting yourself, your intuition, like your 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 gut. I'm just like, well, I'll just keep going. I was like, we can make five more. Like, <laughs> I was like just get, send him more beats. As many like, as you want for so he got super hyped up and he like brought up everybody from downstairs. He brought Pusha T up. He's like, y'all gotta listen to this oh shit. God. It was really cool. It was like, 
you know, when when someone that you look up to just like fucks with you, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Even that right there, I'm like, well, if I walked in the studio with Pharrell, I would be like, I'm gonna make whatever I think is gonna make Pharrell happy. Like in that uh, moment, what inside of you made you be like, no, I'm just gonna be true to myself. Like I, I gotta think make it was just art. like that's all I know how to do is like <laughs> be myself. So like. I honestly didn't think he was gonna like it because I was just having fun. I was literally just freestyling, like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Well, I'm not gonna sit here and like, you know, write something that's like." Because he was on some club shit. He told me he's like, "I want some club shit." So I'm like, "Oh, so like, I'm just be talking about like, you know, the club." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the club is. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, no, it was just like more like you know, arrogant energy, like pedantic, mm-hmm. like very mm-hmm. like bravado like (laughs) kind of thing so having released your album like you have a few months now right since it's been out in the world is there anything about it that feels different or feels like the way it was received is i don't know how do you feel about it oh man i loved it i mean it was i went on tour like while the album came out and people like knew the lyrics so i was like oh i was really happy about that yeah (laughs) he kind of could tell the favors right away I'm still like working. It's kind of the same. I mean, I probably get more highs at the airport now. <laughs> Definitely. I was like, oh, they say hi to me at the airport now. It's different. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of <laughs> hard to miss. <laughs> I'm too big. Like that's what it is. Like my like tallest I'm too tall. Mexican to ever live. Literally <laughs> six five. There's got to be another one. We have to take a picture. Literally all. Day oh, I did long. meet one. Was, I did meet a guy who's like my height, if not taller, a Mexican guy. He he was in a. Uh, he owns this crazy taco shop. He's kind of like my age. Yeah, it's Where? so weird. I can't think. Oh, Cuantos Tacos. It's in like Texas. Cuantos Tacos. Where in Texas? Austin, I think. Okay, you have to text it to me because I want to go. It's really good. That sounds sick. Yeah, it wow. was like amazing tacos. Like, it wasn't like average. Okay, Texas or Southern California tacos? Um, I mean, the best tacos I've had in California were in Compton in some guy's backyard. Okay. The, those like... They got shut down, but... Oh, they got shut down because there was another backyard place. Yeah, so good. And then my mom's tacos are crazy, but the tacos in Texas are different. Yeah. They really know what they're doing. Not that Los Angeles doesn't know what they're doing. You better be careful. No, they do know what they're doing. It's on the record. I know it's on the record. I'll say it. (laughs) Do you stand by it? Yeah, my mom. You want to say that again? I'll say it again. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, L.A. has great tacos, but my mom has crazy tacos. I believe that. Like, it's insane. I believe that. Like, my mom, like... Nothing beats, When she, when I she mean, came from Mexico, they were able to get a loan from the bank, and they opened up a restaurant. And what? And they called it El Super Taco, and they, like, had clientele. They didn't make any money, but, like, because they didn't really, you know, it was their first time opening a business. Yeah. And they got shut down, but the tacos were popping. Wow. Yeah, then, like, the, the new owners that they sold it to, well, my mom used that money to pay all the debt, and, like, they didn't make anything from selling it, but... Yeah. They kept the name, and my mom gave them the recipe. She gave them the recipe? And they would sell it, and because it, it was popping. Yeah, it was like, it was a great time. Is it still there? Uh, no, now it's like uh, a shark's. I was going to say, you got to go back and reclaim Super Taco. Right? I need to. I mean, maybe They're that's the, the next tacos in the area. Move, right? But my mom's the only one that really knows how to make it, and she don't need to be doing that. <laughs> 
You mean you're not gonna force your mom to? No. I mean, I did start like a hot sauce company, and she like helped me with the sauce. No way. You have yeah. a hot sauce? Yeah, it's called Dish of Hot. We're doing a relaunch soon. Shit. <laughs> We're gonna send you guys some. Oh my god, please. <laughs> but yeah, that was the hot sauce she used at the at the restaurant. Wow. Okay. Mm. She so shut it down was... because of me, because I was I was born. She couldn't take it. She was like raising kids in the race restaurant. She was like, oh, I can't do this. But then you're now selling the hot sauce, so it came full circle, I guess. Yeah. Wow. I will be looking out for that hot sauce. I'm <laughs> expecting to get some in the mail. Get some. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, thank uh, you so much truly. for having me. It's really been nice to to get to chat with you. You know, Anna, it's fascinating to me to listen to this interview of an artist that's pretty much fully developed, and yet there's still so much more we can expect from him. At the same time, it's almost a contradiction, but in Omar's case, it's true. And that's exactly what we're talking about, right, Felix? Omar is all about sitting in those contradictions. He has so many plans for how he wants to continue to transform as an artist, but as a person... During our interview, especially as such a young person, he struck me as being really solid. He felt very grounded to me. Family's super complicated, and I really felt him when he talked about it. But it feels like he's done a lot of work on that and come to terms with what a lot of us kids with Mexican Catholic parents tend to struggle with. (laughs) You know, those things are not limited to your generation. You know, that's intergenerational. These things are struggling with the the things that our parents stand for. And I think that Omar Apollo really handles all that stuff very, very well in his music. And in particular, and in this tiny desk performance, he brought all of who he is. He was stripped down. He was singing ranchetas. He was singing his soulful R&B. He was laying himself out there. It's a very powerful performance. Oh, my God. I 100% agree. I mean, I think Omar, all of the Omars, are on full display in that performance. His voice on Petrified, fun fact, actually, for everyone to know, he sang that one twice, and it gave me literal chills both times. I'd highly recommend checking it out. That's it for this week. You have been listening to Alt Latino, which is a production of NPR Music. Our editor is Hazel Sills. The Alt Latino intern is Vida Dadu. And our new production assistant is Fee O'Reilly. And our audio producer is Ron Scalzo. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. And I'm Felix Contreras. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.